both of our daughters were at camp this weekend. Yeah, which first, was first time campers, first time, yeah. which was fun. Ours um, had a great time. Did uh, did Gray have a good time? She did, and now Fabulous. it's cute because she has little like camp stories. Ooh, right? I don't know if you right. came home with any camp stories. But uh, yeah, Gray, she has. Yeah. She was like, I went to take a shower, and there was a mosquito hawk in the shower. A mosquito hawk? I don't know what that is, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently okay. it mosquito was hawk. scary. And she said, and I had to run naked out into the cabin and get my counselor to come shoo it out of the shower. I had to. That yes. was my only course of action. <laughs> right. <laughs> running naked out of the shower. So I've just, you know, had this picture yeah. of that event in my head. These are the joys of camping with young campers. Right. Yeah. As a counselor who once had to camp with young campers, I can say that counselor will be telling that story for years to come. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they someday will have a podcast of their own on which they'll tell the story of the time right. that their camper ran away from the mosquito hawk. <laughs> yeah. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Sunday. This is Pastor David Bowser. Uh, with me, as always, Elise McCarter. Still here, still pretty successful. Oh, back here. Yeah, with you as sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> us days. as sometimes. Yeah. Uh, welcome back uh, to the studio. Uh, Patrick is not with us today. He's home with a sick kiddo, so we're uh, yeah. hoping everybody feels better there. But we're glad to have Elise back after, I don't know, doing stuff. What yeah, were you doing, just ignoring uh, us? Yeah, I was on spring break and getting tattooed, so it's... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So many know. things. Yeah. Spring break and tattoos coming before the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listeners, last week we asked you to write in about where Elise's commitment had gone, and we just found out. So, <laughs> Oh, go. yeah. I wonder if anybody got that one right. <laughs> uh, no one uh, No one sent in any. I do have a right. listener mail for us, but it was not on. On where I was. It was not on where you okay. were. It was well, actually, it was, before, it was from before that one came <laughs> out. So. Yeah. That's his life. But, hey, we're going to, this is uh, the beginning of the month. Something just fall in our, on our roof? It was my phone, oh, okay. which I was not on. Cool. So. It sounded like uh, something fell in our roof, and so I was concerned that the studio was about to cave <laughs> Call in. Call the property committee. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be, uh, it's a beginning of the month. We're going to get mm-hmm. into the Bible again. We kind of wrapped up our, uh, what we'll call our canonical Bible series, uh-huh. and we're getting to get into uh, some Deuterocanon today. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, excited about this, actually. Yeah, for no other reason than we get to say Deuterocanon right. a lot, which is a great word. Yeah. It's possibly the best word that I learned in seminary. Don't you, it's deuterocanonical right that's like, like yeah the that's, the, whole, that's like, the adjective this is yeah it is it yeah the deuterocanon would be the noun right that is right. the thing um deuterocanonical would be referring to a book that is in the deuterocanon you're welcome listeners <laughs> it's riveting <laughs> right anyway so we're gonna get into that a little bit and do uh, some talking about that but first uh elise i think you've got a news story for us i do have news okay <laughs> this sounds like you're gonna like give us news about your life is there something no no no, no oh, okay. not that okay. i'm still here um <laughs> it's still pretty successful yeah that's the update <laughs> <laughs> there there is no update um how do you feel about bears i'm a big fan uh, you're a big fan of bears yeah i'm okay. on record as loving a fat bear week and just being yes. really amused by bears in general i have not seen uh, the new movie uh cocaine bear oh I've i have seen it yeah, it was yeah, good. Yeah, I okay. If you were into like funny horror, okay, amazing. I think I yeah, think funny. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. We actually we have a member here at Lord of Life whose daughter uh, worked on Cocaine Bear. Oh well, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. All so right. yeah, Excellent. Uh, in the spirit of Cocaine Bear, uh, how do it's <laughs> an interesting spirit <laughs> right. to choose, <laughs> right? How do we feel? Cocaine about Bear is my spirit animal. It's a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it was my spirit animal, <laughs> but in the spirit of Cocaine oh, okay. Bear. <laughs> got it. Uh, how do we fear, feel about bears who are escape artists, like zoo bears who yeah, yeah. make I could, a habit I of breaking up? I could get behind up? that. I mean, I don't want to be there when they escape, but I could get behind sure. it. Sure. Okay. Well, this headline today is bear who twice escaped at Missouri Zoo moving to new home in Texas. Excellent. <laughs> twice escaped so, from a Missouri Zoo. Yes. Where in Texas is this bear going? Um, great question. Uh, Brownsville. Brownsville. So, oh, it's far away from here. Right. Okay. So, 
unlikely that this bear will escape from Brownsville and make it all the way to Houston. Uh, um, possible, but unlikely. But if you've been sleeping easy with the knowledge that there are no escaping zoo bears in Texas, you might be wrong <laughs> very know. soon. I don't know that I've ever been not like, I don't know that this has been a thing that's kept me up at night. Right. Worrying about escaping animals in general. Yeah. Well, so I work with people that used to be zookeepers, right? Oh, okay. Um, and so there have been, uh, maybe I know too much, like there have been yeah. instances You've of seen how the sausage <laughs> was made. Yeah. Of animals getting out of containment. And I don't know that they've had any like serious issues at the Houston Zoo, at least not in the modern sure. era. But in the modern era. What are we yeah. defining as the modern era? <laughs> like last few decades. In the post-COVID world, there's uh, been right, no there's major been, issues. Yeah. <laughs> During COVID, they were all over the place. But <laughs> I believe it. Animals it roaming the streets. Yeah. Just let them loose, you know. Everybody's inside. Let, right. the, let the land animals be free. Yeah. I mean, I will say that East Texas is a relatively low bear, you know, yeah. like it's low bear feel threat. heavily bared. Sure. <laughs> heavily, is, heavily born. Heavily. <laughs> which is, you know, nice change of pace from being upstate South Carolina, Western North Carolina, sure. many, many bears. Yeah. Uh, but now yeah. I might have to start thinking about it. Midland, South Carolina. We did not get a lot, of, get bear. a lot of bears. Yeah. No, no bear sightings. No. I've never seen a bear in the wild. Have you seen bears in the wild? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would Black bears. Yeah. I would imagine myself being less impressed by a bear in the wild than I am by just like bears in general. No, they're scary. Yeah. Like to like run up on one is like. <laughs> yeah. Like bears on TV. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's fascinating. But like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to see that bear up close. No, I like I don't. I, like, I do and I don't because they are so cool. Sure. Then, like, you get up on one, and you're like, that is very big. Yeah. <laughs> like, so one time at the uh, at a zoo in Ohio, the grizzly bear was, like, right up on the glass, yeah. right? So it was like, I was doing a size-by-size size comparison with this bear. Yeah. And, and it, mm-mm. Yeah, no nope, I was not going to win. And I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a big guy, but I'm not small. Right. Name, and it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very so big bear. we used to run into black bears all the time in western North Carolina, upstate South Carolina. And then when we went to Colorado this past summer, mm-hmm. we were standing out on the patio of the place we were running. I was like, there's a bear. It was a grizzly bear. Just like walked wow. right by our patio. Holy cow. I was like, ah. <laughs> that's pre- I mean, that's pretty rare even for that area. That, right. Yeah, you don't just see those around. Yeah, and he's just, he just wandered right by our patio. So I said, maybe we'll go inside just for, yeah. you know, a few minutes. Did he come up and try to, you know, knock he on the door? He didn't knock on the door or try to deliver a fake say, pizza hey, or anything like that. Can I come snuggle? What yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, okay. okay I'm just <laughs> yeah. a totally grizzly right. bear. This seems legit. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a great series of posts the other day from... Uh, one of the northern states. I don't remember. Oh, the Yankees. I don't, well, I don't remember. If it was more like a northern plains. I don't remember if it was a Dakota or a, oh, a Wyoming, something the, like the that. The fake states. Yeah. <laughs> the ones <laughs> nobody talks about. Right. But it was uh, a picture of a mountain lion, like, rolling around in the snow. Mm-hmm. And it was, they have fur, you're cold, leave them outside, right? And right. Was, rather than they're cold, you're cold kind of thing. Right. And then it was all these people responding to their post of, like, but what if, like, but but he just wants a little scritch <laughs> under under <laughs> yeah. his chin. They're so like, cute, But what though. if I just give him a little, c- I was like, no, this is a mountain lion. Right. Do not let him, ins- and yeah, the yeah. the Department of Natural Human Resources, or natu- Natural Human Resources, <laughs> natural. natural Resources that was responding had some solid uh, tweet replies yeah. in, in GIF form. It was great. Yeah, yeah, whoever is running, this is just a quick plug right here, whoever is running the National Parks oh. Foundation social media right now is hilarious. Social media gold. Absolutely. Amazing. It started yeah. during uh, COVID. Right. Like somehow everybody got sent home except for like one guy. The social I, media manager. Yeah. I'm not sure it's <laughs> even the social media manager. I think it was like some random person who didn't get sent home who took over social right. media. Right. And it's now the social and media is now manager. The so- yeah. <laughs> right. Forever. Because and they, amazing. yeah, it's yeah. fabulous. Go yeah. check out the uh, U.S. National Parks social media feeds. Yeah. You will not regret it. You will not. You might regret listening to this episode. You will not regret it. But if you made it this far, you at least got something to take away. <laughs> exactly. 
our gift to you right happy holy week <laughs> enjoy <laughs> Oh yeah, hey, this is coming out during Holy Week. So Yeah, okay. I that. was confused for a second. I was like, already? <laughs> yeah. Next week yeah. is Holy Week. Sunday is Palm yeah. Well, it's yesterday when this released, yesterday is Palm Sunday. It's the big one. It's this is it. Yeah. All comes down to this. This is a good round for This is what we've been training uh, for. From the grave heroes, baby. <laughs> yeah. Is that a song? You said it you said it like you're singing up Yeah, that's a hymn. Up from the grave heroes? Yeah. It is not a Lutheran hymn. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's uh, what kind of school did you go to? <laughs> a Lutheran one. Yeah. Yeah. Up yeah. from the grave he arose. Yeah. I don't, I'll have to look it up. I don't know the one. I mean, it's a classic, but okay. I have a, I have a pretty good sense of Lutheran hymnody. I'm confident hymnody. it is not in our. Yeah. I use words like hymnody. hymnody all right. So that's therefore, <laughs> <laughs> I know all the good hymns. <laughs> I'm not saying I know all the good ones. I'm saying yeah. it's not in our hymnal. Right. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a good one, but it is one that I've heard. How does it go? Can you sing a few bars? No. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> have fallen for this before. One of our one of our listeners is out there screaming this at our it, at, at definitely our more like, than one. It goes like this, you idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah, they've sorry heard about it. that. The people have heard it. You can uh, send us links, emails, beyond Sunday podcast at uh, gmail dot com. Let us know how up from the grave heroes. I imagine it being like kind of a up from the grave hero, like a ditty. No. Oh boy, I'll have to I'll like find that? it for you. Well, that's too bad. All right. Yeah. Shall we deuterocanonize things? Let's do it. Or deuteristically. Let's deutero this. All right. So let's first, before we get to deuterocanon, let's talk about canon. Yes. Because before you can have a second one, you got to have a first one. So what is what is the canon? The canon. So in specific to the Bible or when we say canon about things, what do we mean? Excellent point. Let's start with what do we mean when we say canon? Let's start there. So I'm involved in some communities that might be considered nerdy. sci-fi and fantasy writing community. like this one <laughs> right <laughs> um so i'll just throw that out there so sure. um but within those communities we talk a lot about uh what is canon to mm-hmm. things because when you create a world um there are often offshoots that come off of sure. that original source material uh-huh, right uh-huh. and then you have discussions about what would be considered canon yeah for this work um, so when we talk about that, we mean, does it fit in with the overall picture that the author was going for? Mm-hmm. Does it, is it uh, contradictory to the original work or is it, does it fit enough to be adopted into that yeah. overall picture? And oftentimes, like if the author is still living, like they mm-hmm. get it, they get then a they say. Then they can say yes right, or like, no. Yeah. Like a, a George Lucas. Has, he says stuff is canon they, or this not is, This time. is Star Wars canon. That dude be doing canon way too much though. <laughs> He throws cannon Over around cannoning. left yeah, and yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he had some uh, some missteps early <laughs> he, on. He did some pieces that he, he wishes did. never I happened. I think maybe George Lucas's authority is questionable. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're not looking to him for biblical <laughs> right. authority. That's okay. Uh, yeah. So, canon comes from the Greek word uh, that literally means uh, measuring stick or rule mm-hmm. of measure, and yep. so th- yeah, that's how it came to be t- uh, referred to for the Bible as well. And so, it's this idea of what do we measure things against? And particularly when we talk about the canon now, we're talking about the books that we identify as scripture, mm-hmm. right? And so in the same way that you look at Star Wars and you say these books are officially part of uh, the Star Wars scripture, if you will, right? This is the Star Wars uh, canon. You would look at the Bible and say, well, these books are in the biblical canon. They are, they are the mm-hmm. ones by which we measure uh, our life by which th- we measure the truth of the gospel that's being proclaimed or the Old Testament story that's being proclaimed. Like, this is canon. Yep. Um, and so in the same way that there's like 
fan fiction for Star Wars and mm-hmm. things like that, where people write things that are not canon but right. are like based on canon. Yeah. There's also fan fiction for the Bible. Yeah. And fan fiction for the Bible uh, in the uh, Hebrew scriptures is considered or called what we refer to as midrash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and midrash is written by all sorts of different rabbis throughout the, the centuries, but it takes a little like snippets of stories and then expands on those stories. And Interesting. so um, there's actually one book. Uh, it's called. Turning the Gem, I think is the right name of the book. Um, but it takes just the story of uh, Jacob uh, seeing the ladder of uh, messengers going up and down, mm-hmm. ascending, descending in, uh, to heaven. And it just takes that story and it, like, chapter by chapter, takes a different midrash uh, view of the story and, like, lets you see, like, 15, I don't know, some, some different number of ways of viewing this one biblical story. Interesting. Is this supposed to be, like, blatantly fiction? Or is it... No, it's a great point. Yeah. I wouldn't say blatantly fiction because mm-hmm. I don't think the biblical authors were ever trying to write fiction. Right. Um, in the, in the, at least in the way that we refer to fiction. Um, but it would be saying... Um, it would be uh, rabbis or, or Jewish leaders who are coming alongside the text and saying, you know, the text says like two sentences, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jacob fell asleep. Jacob saw uh, this ladder. Jacob woke up and said, surely God was in this place. Like that's the extent of the story. <laughs> and so then it's people saying, well, what was happening there? Yeah. And well, what's in that experience? And it's, so it's taking that little piece and expanding out of like, how right. do we think God is present within this moment? Yeah. And so it's more about interpretation yeah. with Midrash in particular. It's more about interpretation than it is about like fiction or fictionalizing yeah. the story. You know, they're not like coming along and saying like, oh, well, and then Leia showed up and then this <laughs> person, right? You yeah. know, it's not like that, but it is saying like, what do we pull out of this and how do, how do we interpret this? Yep. And that's kind of this Midrash piece where okay. even within my understanding, within my, uh, uh, Jewish tradition, right? You wouldn't look at Midrash and hold it on the same level that you would scripture. Um, because midrash changes, right, right. And, and interpretations change throughout history, but it points you back to the truth mm-hmm. um, that's in scripture. And so, uh, there we have not uh, had that same kind of element with the New Testament. That's never something that's been developed. But in some ways, you can refer to like sermons as midrash, right? Yeah. We're taking a little text and we're expanding out on that and saying, well, what does this mean, and how do we? And so, in some ways, we're kind of falling in that same tradition with right. that sort of thing. With me so far? Yes, I am. All right. And any of our listeners who are still <laughs> listening, <laughs> great Thank to you have so you. Much. With you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so from there, we've got canon, and then we've got uh, this thing that we're going to get to in a second called Deuterocanon. But mm-hmm. to have canon, mm-hmm. someone has to say, this is what the canon is. Right. Right? Um, and in our case, uh, we had, well, now, a bunch of old, dead white guys, or at least- <laughs> Were they white? Uh, Mediterranean. They were- bleak. On the fence. They were- <laughs> <laughs> they were Depends. in they were in the tradition of old white men How's right yeah they feel very old white men <laughs> yeah i mean so by the time that we're getting canon right this yeah. is 300s um this is now uh constantine has come to power mm-hmm. and christianity is now the power of the roman empire yeah so even if it's not like anglo-saxon mm-hmm. uh men who are making this decision it is the political power that becomes the power that leads to old white men right <laughs> so <laughs> if we can if we can think of it in that vein but that's who makes the decision right yeah. it's the the council that uh that uh, constantine calls basically constantine's like look you got all these books floating around in early mm-hmm. christianity there are a bunch of different books um that were floating around as and different communities were using different things right paul right. had written letters to some communities right. some communities had copies of those letters some didn't some had copies of one gospel and not another some had a gospel that nobody else had right and so all of these things are floating around and constantine's like look if this is going to be the religion of the empire right and if i'm going to kill people for not following the religion of the empire i'm gonna need you to sign the we employee gotta, handbook we gotta have standards right <laughs> yeah. yeah we can't have this just going loosey-goosey right. and anybody can believe anything or yeah. say this book isn't it right so we gotta uh, canonize yep. things and so that's when the new testament canon comes around 
And the question that we're going to think about today is actually the Old Testament or the Jewish, okay. the Hebrew scriptures, and when that canonization process happened. And what we see is that there's diverging understandings of when uh, the Jewish leaders would have canonized what we know as the Old Testament. Interesting. And based on when you think the Old Testament was canonized, uh, will uh, or will influence how you think about the Deuterocanonical books. Okay. All right. So uh, two schools of thought. Mm-hmm. School number one, uh, it was canonized pre-Jesus, probably one to 200 years before Jesus would have been born. Okay. Um, so first or second century uh, BCE or BC. Um, and that's when it was canonized. And that book then uh, is what we should treat as the Old Testament. Okay. Um, that is... The pro- that is the Protestant view, right? Okay. Um, so us as Lutherans, Presbyterians, Methodists, etc., mm-hmm. um, anyone who's not Catholic slash Orthodox, we would all fall in that camp. Whether we realize it or not, that's the, the camp that we're following. We're saying, look, these books were probably written later, and we don't think they're part of the original Jewish canon, and we want to go back to the original Jewish canon. Right. That was kind of Martin Luther's uh, big ploy, was I want to go back to the original uh, canon. Now, if you uh, take the view that these books that we're going to get to should be included, you would say, oh, no, no, no. Jewish uh, uh, Jewish canon wasn't established until like late 100 uh, or sorry, late uh, 10s to mm-hmm. early 100 after Jesus. Right? right. So about the same time that the New Testament letters were being written is actually when Jewish canon was established and said, this is what's in. Interesting. And in yeah. this window between when one group says it was canonized, and when another group says it was canonized, there are these books. That were written. And these books were primarily written uh, not in uh, Aramaic or Hebrew. They're mm-hmm. primarily written in Greek. They're heavily influenced by Greek culture because this would have been written during the time when uh, uh, the Jewish uh, Israelite land was under uh, Greco Roman rule. Mm-hmm. So heavily influenced by Greek Alexandrian culture. Um, it talks about you know revolutions and trying to overthrow uh, their uh, Greek oppressors um, and all sorts of great and impor- important stories, but it happens in this gap window. Mm-hmm. And so then there's this thing, the Septuagint, right, that we've talked about before, yeah. Septuagint, Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. The Septuagint tends to include these books because it was written later. Right. The original Hebrew uh, languages or, or Aramaic languages tend not to because they were written earlier. Okay. And so depending on which versions you're looking at, that's where we tend to get this difference. And so what happens is that you end up with a number of books uh, that... Catholics and other and uh, Greek and uh, Russian or Greek and Eastern Orthodox churches will say these should be included um, because they're scripture and Protestant churches will say no they should not right and in particular so here are the books that we're going to talk about uh, first and second Maccabees uh, Tobit Judith uh, Baruch the letter of Jeremiah not the book of Jeremiah the letter of Jeremiah okay. it's different um, Ecclesiasticus or Ben Sira not Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. also different uh, Wisdom of Solomon and Second Esdra Esdras or Fourth Ezra. It's another name that it's named by, or known by. Um, it, along with that, you have additions to Daniel and additions to Esther. So you have an expanded an expansion on both okay. of those stories. So those are the pieces where, if you look in your Bible right now, uh, if you have, well, let's see, what kind of Bible is that? Most NRSVs would probably include the include this. Um, definitely a Catholic Bible would include this. King James it would kind of depend on which version you have. But if you look at your table of contents, there will be a list, and it'll say Old Testament, New Testament, and then it'll say apocryphal or deuterocanonical books. Okay. And those will be the books um, that we're talking about. And what typically happens is that those books are included in between the Old Testament section and the New Testament section. Because chronologically, that is when they occurred. Yeah. Right? So th- they fit in the story in that place. The question is, do we treat them as scripture or do we not? Mm-hmm. 
if you're taking a Catholic or Orthodox view, um, you would say we absolutely treat them as scripture. In fact, uh, certain Orthodox groups even have more uh, additional books that they say should be treated as scripture, um, and Protestants would say we shouldn't. Um, some Catholic doctrines kind of find their roots in these books. So purgatory is rooted in uh, stories from Maccabees. Okay. Um, and there are other uh, places where they say, yeah, this is kind of where this particular teaching comes from. And so Luther in particular, as he was uh, kind of establishing this way of challenging Catholic teaching and saying mm-hmm. we should be particularly around purgatory, we should be thinking about this differently. He's basically like, Maccabees isn't even a real book. Like it yeah. shouldn't, it shouldn't, uh, this is my paraphrase of his argument, right? Yeah. It's like, it shouldn't even be in the Bible. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a lesser book. It's not important. So what Luther started doing when he uh, started translating the books into German was that he included the Deuterocanonical uh, books as an appendices. Interesting. Or as an appendix. Yeah as one thing right? right so he said we shouldn't include them as scripture they're important right. we should read them they're valuable right but they shouldn't be treated in, as scripture they shouldn't be treated the same way that we're treating like genesis and exodus and matthew mark and luke and john right, right. that those should be on a different level so that's big picture what we're talking about when we talk about the deuterocanon so if you walk into a catholic church and you said tell me about the book of tobit um, the, pa- uh, the priest would be able to tell you all about the book of Tobit mm-hmm. or would at least have like resources on his, I would say his or her, but it's a priest, his shelf uh, <laughs> to be able to, you know, tell yeah. you this is what the book of Tobit is about. You walk into my office, I ain't got nothing in the book of Tobit. Okay. I'm not going to be able to help you out with that. <laughs> I, w- I will get right. there, right? I'll help you. Right. Um, but it's going to take me some time. Right. Because um, it's not one that, you know, we're not going to read from uh, the book of Ben Surah mm-hmm. in our uh, lectionary. We're not going to hear from uh, the book of Tobit or Judith, right? Those are not stories that we're going to get on a regular basis right. well, ever in our um, lectionary readings because we don't consider them to be on the same level as scripture. Okay. With me so far? Yep. All right. So if we want to put this into like Star Wars terms, we would say they're better than fan fiction, but they're like George Lucas's pieces where he's like, this isn't really part of canon, but it's also really like cool information. Right. It fits within the world, but it's not central to the world. Right. Right. I don't know what a good comparison would be. Maybe like Rogue One. No, Rogue One's like canon now. No, Rogue One is canon. Yeah, I don't, maybe like the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> some of the video games, maybe. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The early video games. Um, so that's that's what we're playing with. Yeah. So my question for us today, mm-hmm. right? And we'll probably get into some of these books at later episodes. So listeners, you can come back and we'll dive into all the fun that uh, the Book of Tobit and Judith have mm-hmm. to offer. Um, but my question for us today is, what do we do? Uh, with a book that we say this is sacred scripture mm-hmm. and we can't agree on what sacred scripture is yep. how do we how do we deal with that and what does that impact our or how does that impact our faith yeah your thoughts my thoughts yeah <laughs> i mean i think so much of christianity is finding your identity and the tension between two ideas right mm, sure sure um and We've said this before, and we've talked about gray areas a lot and finding ways to be comfortable with gray areas in scripture Mm -hmm. and unknowns. um, And this is one of them, right? Like, do I think that at the end of the day, it really matters (laughs) whether or not you consider the deuterocanonical books to be canon or not? I don't think so. I don't think that it really matters, um, but I think that it can on some practical levels it can matter in how you approach your own um sort of understanding of scripture um so should it be as divisive as it is probably not yeah (laughs) i don't think so um but i i get the discomfort and man we can't agree on yeah because then that opens up bigger questions of like well is any of it sacred if some of it is not sacred or some of it is maybe sacred or you know we don't really know it's a a chink in the armor right Right. yeah 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 and i think that 
that causes a ton of discomfort and i get that yeah and it's easy for someone who doesn't hold these beliefs to point at it and say like well you can't even agree exactly on yeah. what, like, what, what's sacred yeah. and what's not sacred yeah. which is the problem if you're super concerned about defending your belief system yeah. to people absolutely which is i'll be honest that's not something that i have a lot of stress over yeah. to me i feel like if i feel like i have to defend it i've missed the point yeah. Um, but people do get really <laughs> upset about, you sure. know, not being able to have, you know, straight answers or defend something. Yeah. So sometimes I like to think about this in the context of hypotheticals, right? Because I did not grow up in a culture or in a community that used the deuterocanonical books. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, right. Neither of us were Catholic. Yeah. Um, and so we were just not familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I imagine like, okay, what if somebody came to me and had unrefutable evidence that like the book of Romans uh, was not actually written by Paul or was actually written 200 years later than we thought it was. Yeah. And, you know, how would that affect my understanding of the book of Romans, which I think is a deeply powerful, beautiful exposition of the right. gospel and of the way, and has deeply informed my own faith tradition and right. my own personal faith, right? Yeah. What would I do with that? And I think in some ways that's what happens um, for people who are raised within the context of a Catholic community or an Orthodox community who hear this is scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And are informed by that and have an understanding of purgatory and how that works mm-hmm. based on these passages. And, um, I, I imagine that's a really uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you, right? I don't think this is central, right? Yeah. And, and what I have to get myself to a point of saying is like, even Romans is not central. Like right. there, there's a lot about Romans that I really find valuable and it's certainly grounded my faith. Yeah. But like what is really central to our faith? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've got like God created humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, humanity is fallen and in need of redemption. Okay. Those things yeah. are central and God sent Jesus and Jesus create, you know, died and rose so that we'd have a path towards that redemption. Like, yeah. Those are the, central those details. are the central things, yep. right? Like if that's disproven, then I've got a problem, right? Yep. If you give me unrefutable evidence that, uh, the gospel of Mark, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all faked. Right. Right. Then I've got a problem. Yeah. Um, but otherwise we have, uh, we have to like hold the fish loosely, mm-hmm. so to say, uh, I yeah. think this is an expression, right? That cause if you sque- <laughs> never heard to hold the fish loosely. Well, cause yeah. if, if you're, if you hold <laughs> yeah. a fish, right. Uh-huh. If you hold it too tight, it starts to flop around yeah. so much. You actually can't hold it. Right. But if you hold it gently, it calms yeah. down and it, you know, stays in your hand. Uh, I think, sure. I, I think that's the premise acquainted of with holding fish, that's but the premise of the expression yeah, anyway, I'm willing to buy it. Uh, so I, I think we, in some ways we have to treat scripture like that, right? Mm-hmm. When we make it too precious or think that we have to have too firm a grasp on what's in and what's out um then it starts to slip through our fingers right and then it's about us too right like we're making it about like no we cannot this cannot change because Mm, this makes me happy or this props up my own understanding of something Mm -hmm. yeah so you know in the same way that you know if i walked down the street to our catholic neighbors Mm -hmm. and said hey these books shouldn't be in the bible right they could easily come back at me and say they should right yeah. like bo- both of us can make valid points yeah, yeah legitimate arguments right i i happen to be in a place where i think that my arguments are more legitimate right but that doesn't mean they <laughs> but so are does everybody right think it, that, yeah. yeah everybody <laughs> thinks their arguments yeah. are more legitimate and so how do we um focus not, not just focus on but how do we uh, allow ourselves to be guided by the places in which we agree with one another mm-hmm. rather than being guided by the places in which we disagree and look i'm not saying that catholics and lutherans are ever going to get together and say these books are absolutely in or are out Right. But I don't I don't think that matters right. either. Right. I, I think there are bigger issues that we can try to push ourselves towards and move ourselves towards yeah. uh, in order to get that. And I think Lutherans and Protestants in general can do a better job of honoring uh, the Deuterocanonical books to say, like, yeah, there is purpose and meaning and value to them, even if we're not going to treat them as scripture. Right. We can have a better, yeah. uh, better understanding and knowledge of what is contained within their pages. Yeah. So actually, the tradition that I grew up in um, 
<clears throat> not specifically you know perpetrated by my parents or anything like that but just the general faith tradition was you do not interact with those books mm. because they are insidious oh okay because yeah. they're not scripture and yeah. they're parading as such so okay. it's like even discussing them is sort of new to me okay yeah um, so yeah i mean i would say like discussing them was new to me when i got to college right like when mm-hmm. i started studying the bible from a yeah. college perspective but it also wasn't like a like it wasn't like I grew up with that kind of uh, vitriol towards it. It was just mm-hmm. a, like a non-thing. Like you're, we're yeah. just not even going to bother talking about it. It's not right. worth our time. Right. Uh, was kind of how it would have been portrayed. Um, and that's that's really fascinating. And I, so my sense would be that in that tradition, they're as, uh, associating these deuterocanonical books with what we would call um, non-canonical writings of the New Testament. Right. Right. Because there are a lot of books in the New Testament that are not included in mm-hmm. the canon of the New Testament. Um you know, everybody has the same New Testament. Right. We should say that. But there are a lot of other books that were written and circulated, letters and things like that that were circulated um, that have some pretty wacky stuff in them, <laughs> right? I think yeah. I've, I've told the story uh, about the infancy gospel of Thomas and Jesus right. as a little boy. And, you know, there, there's some weird stuff and some stuff that's in line, but is just kind of like off, right? Yeah. And at some point uh, at that council that we talked about, right, we all said, okay, that stuff's out mm-hmm. and this is the stuff that's in. Um, in the same way, there's lots of that stuff with uh, the Old Testament too, right? These are not, the, the what we have is that we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, are not the only things that the Jewish people ever wrote. Yeah. E- even within the books themselves, they refer to other books, right? Like throughout First and Second Kings, it refers to, for the rest of the information about this kings, refer to the annals of the such and such, right? Right. Like it clearly refers to other books that people at the time knew existed and right. had available to them that we have lost. Um, not we, I didn't lose it, right? Okay. But <laughs> they have been lost to time. Um, and, and so... Yeah, like to associate these books that have been passed down and are at least a part of a tradition, if not your tradition, right? They're mm-hmm. part of a tradition. And to say, oh, those are equivalent to these books that should have been forgotten long ago. Right. That's just, that's fascinating to me. That's yeah. really interesting. To yeah. lump that all in together, yeah. yeah. I think I would even take it a step further and say that some traditions would associate it more with like a false prophecy. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So like a actively... I don't know if satanic is the term, yeah. but maybe actively satanic yeah. influence. Not, you know? in li- not in line with God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. That is, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, I hear the fear there, mm-hmm. but it seems like that fear is really much more about our control. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I think the, so to be clear, I no, yeah. am pro interacting with the deuterocanonical books because you like saying deuterocanon yeah. mostly yes um <laughs> no i think it's really interesting and probably a lot there to uh to learn and unpack and i'm excited to get into them but i think for sure that the that approach to those books has to do with we control this information yeah. you know we know how to teach within the sphere of stuff mm-hmm. and we're comfortable with what this says yeah sort of yeah so we're gonna stick with this yeah. and write off the rest sure well and for protestants right mm-hmm. i mean a lot of a lot of catholic teaching does come from these books and mm-hmm. so we're saying like oh well we don't want to we don't want to agree with that catholic yeah. get, get that out of here yeah. right and we got to be we we feel like we have to protect our borders and defend our yeah. you know defend our own beliefs yeah rather rather than trusting that we're going to be continued to lead to be led into new truth right? right and i have often said and i you know sometimes sometimes i believe this more than others but i have often said that one of the worst things that we have done in Christian history is canonized scripture Mm. and said, this is in and now this is out. Yeah. Because in some ways what that did is made us say, well, God is never going to speak to humans again. Right. Like God, God stopped speaking. (laughs) Seems a little silly. Right. Yeah. What did he retire? (laughs) (laughs) 
Here are these letters. Yeah. Here's the Gospels. Here's this revelation. God's done. Right. As if, like, somebody couldn't write something that's inspired by God now. Yeah. And in some ways, I get it. Like, you know, the pieces that we have, like, the standard that was set for the New Testament is really about um, who was there, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Gospels are providing these accounts and tradition, whether or not it's entirely yeah. historically accurate. Tradition is these people had firsthand accounts available to them. The letters are written by people who had firsthand accounts, right? And so there's, yeah. like there's this association of these books matter of a particular weight Mm -hmm. because they were there and they're like the witnesses to this thing that happened. Um, But that doesn't mean that four centuries later, there wasn't someone who had a meaningful revelation from God that would be worth more people knowing about. Right. Like, you know, there are are great mystics uh, throughout the middle ages. There are great uh, uh, theologians and prophets. There are great uh, people writing things that are powerful even now. Um, and many of us find them meaningful, right? You can yeah. go to the religion and spirituality section of a bookstore and find mm-hmm. whatever you want about anything um, from a Christian perspective, but we don't treat them as scripture. Right. And it's just interesting to me that we think to ourselves, well, this book is good, but I don't think it's inspired by God. Right. And we can just we can just say, this author really has some great insight. Right. Um, but we don't use that language of, this author is really this author is really inspired by God right. as they wrote this. Like, what's the line for that? It's, yeah. it's a date, right? It's a period in time. It's saying, th- well, it's now it's this, you know, cover. It's a right. front and back cover of a book saying this is what can be inspired right. by God. Yeah. And I, I understand, like, I understand that, right? Mm-hmm. I understand why there's a canon. I don't sure. want to say, like, shouldn't, you know, decanonize the Bible. I don't want to <laughs> say that. I don't even know that, like, right. anything today, I don't know that I'd want any of it added to the canon, right? I don't, right. I don't know that I want to be the one who's making that call. Um, but I think that there are things that have persisted in the way that, like, really great fan fiction persists. And eventually mm-hmm. might get, might serve well to be folded in yeah. um, to the larger story and, and kind of continue the narrative of what's going on in the church, right? I think yeah. there are, um, you know, the uh, uh, Freedom of a Christian by Martin Luther, like, uh, granted, I'm biased, but Freedom of a Christian by Martin Luther is an incredible, um, relatively brief writing mm-hmm. about our dual, dual nature as being both saint and sinner, right? right? And it's, it, I think regardless of your particular uh, denominational affiliation, mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful and powerful yeah and a revelation of how we interpret a lot of other things that are in scripture yeah um there are th- plenty of things by catholic authors and, and theologians throughout history that have been written that i think could be really valuable and there are people writing today right there are women god forbid oh this gosh. there are women who write things that <laughs> right. i think would be worthy of us like saying like how is this inspired by god mm-hmm. and, and so maybe it's just a matter of us asking that question more intention like in what ways do we see things as being inspired by god and that doesn't have to mean it's scripture Right. That doesn't mean that we have yeah. to hold every word of it to be sacred and true, but we can see the work of God, the spirit of God through the writings that they're offering. Yeah. I, there wasn't a question there. That was just my own thing. Yeah. I'm just working through some stuff. This <laughs> is a, a lot a lots of ponder. Pastoral um, therapy with Pastor David. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. I think uh, in some ways we, we treat faith like scarcity economics, right? Which mm, it isn't. And yeah. there's this idea that there everything is going to take your faith away from you right like yeah. and so if you if you give credence to things that are outside of this canonized book right yeah. that that's going to somehow eventually like take your faith or minimize it or deconstruct it god forbid you know like that kind of thing um, but it, it's not i think there's plenty of faith to go around <laughs> it's not scarcity economics and i think you have to give people the freedom and the opportunity to find their faith and build on their faith in different ways in different places. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But if you uh, don't have a Bible with the Deuterocanon in it, you can find it online. 
Uh, most of the you know Bibles that you search online have uh, those books available, or you can come to my office and I'll lend you a Bible that has it in it. Um, yeah, they're interesting. We're gonna dive into some of them in future weeks. Pretty excited. Well, I, I'll actually have to like prepare for those. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have to read something. Yeah, I mean, I'll, like, I mean, because of the tradition I grew up in, uh-huh. right? Like, I've got a pretty. When we come in to talk about Romans, I'm pretty much ready to go. Like, right. I don't need. To <laughs> yeah. I don't need to do a lot of research yeah. for that one. But Flex. it's all right. I'll have to. <laughs> I'll just have to do work. Yeah. I'm already tired. I'm already yeah. tired from thinking about having to like read. I know Tobit. they don't. They don't pay us enough for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, they don't pay me enough to read deuterocanonical books. Right, gosh. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, uh, hey, we've got a listener mail. Oh, I awesome. think we're to that point. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is from one of our longtime listeners, uh, Annette Hout. Uh, this is on our State of Theology podcast, um, oh, cool. which you were not here for because you were doing something. I think when that, was it? I don't know. It was one of the many weeks that you've been gone recently. Okay. <laughs> was, Gosh. But it was, uh, Elise, uh, not Elise, you're Elise. It was Cassandra uh, filling in for you okay. along with Patrick Great. and I. Uh, a bit tardy, but I sure enjoyed this uh, podcast. Having just read The Sin of Certainty by Peter Enns in mm. Sunday School, I was struck by the trend towards more certainty in the general Christian population. Uh, I also had not thought uh, of the culture of Christianity much. Sometimes I feel as though I'm an oddball, not buying, uh, literally, uh, into decorations, gifts, and parties that dominate the Advent season. I've been qu- I have been questioned about my love of Christmas because I do not embrace what I will now consider the culture of Christmas. All good, but not my speed. I guess this applies to all sorts of separate events and moral ideas. Anyways, just my thoughts. Thanks for the conversations. P.S. A couple weeks ago, one of Patrick's best puns was completely ignored by his fellow pod people. No reactions at all, but I enjoyed it. She doesn't Which, say uh, what was she doesn't it? Say what the pun <laughs> yeah, was. I mean, it clearly was not worth us repeating because accusation. we didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. I believe yeah. that we would have just looked. We probably it. were like, all right. yeah. <laughs> that's enough, <laughs> sir. Yeah, uh, but that is from Annette. So Annette, thanks for uh, your words. And listeners, if you have a listener email that you would like to send in about this podcast or any others, or if you're uh, reading some deuterocanonical books and you've got thoughts for us, you can send those all to Beyond Sunday Podcast at gmail.com. And you can go back and listen to all of our past uh, Bible episodes, the first of every month for the past like two years that we've been doing uh, this episode or this uh, series, yeah. our longest running series aside from you know the show itself. Uh, you can find those all at beyondsundaypodcast.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more Beyond Sunday. You do a gr- much better job at filling in Patrick's thing than he does at filling in our things. Yeah, well <laughs> he done. really he fumbles it. <laughs> <laughs>